0: Have you guys ever been on a road trip before? Yeah, how many of you guys have been on a road trip before? And on that road trip, at one point or another, especially when you're with a bunch of people, especially when you're with a bunch of younger people, how many of you have younger siblings? You have heard a question before, if it was a long road trip and it was a lot of young people and that was what? Are we there yet, right? Have you guys ever heard anybody say that question before? Have you ever been the one asking that question? Well we want to talk about this today, we want to talk about are we there yet? As a matter of fact, I really like road trips. Me and my family, we love taking road trips. One of our dreams, actually, PM and my dream, is that we will, when our kids kind of become a little older right now, they're five and seven, and PM, by the way, won't be here for the next few weeks till we have our little man, uh, Zephaniah, by the way, in case you don't know what we're calling him, but his name is Zephaniah. Uh, She is literally, like, in the last couple of weeks of the pregnancy, and so we'll have another little one coming very soon, but she just can't sit anymore, Um, like for a long period of time so you won't see her till the baby is here so just in case uh, you're wondering, I know, but then the next time you see her she will have the baby which is going to be great for all the ladies. The guys are like I don't care but the ladies do so we'll just, you know, that's okay. So we have this thing that we're planning on taking our family on bunches of road trips and just going to have fun with it because I really really like road trips but I have to admit that when that question comes up it does kind of sometimes get a little annoying doesn't it? Especially when you have that one person that asks us over and over and over again as a matter of fact we have been on numerous mission trips and we'll do another one next year and uh, usually on the mission trip it's not the question of are we there yet the question that is always asked is what's coming up next there's always that one teenager on a mission trip that like comes to you and just wants to know everything even though they have an itinerary they just want to know because they need to know whether something changed and so the question I think can be annoying at times but I think it's a really really good question to ask what do you guys think so yeah? So now, why is the person asking that question? And what does this question actually imply? The question of, are we there yet? I think it implies two things. Number one, I put this on the PowerPoint there for you, so you can put it up there so I can read it. Number one, it means that you are moving towards a certain destination or goal. And we're wondering whether you would arrive soon. If you ask the question, Are we there yet? You may wonder, okay, are we almost there? And that's why you're asking the question. Secondly, you may even have known the exact location and you were excited about what awaited you there when you would arrive, and therefore you're asking the question, Are we there? You can't wait to get to the destination. Now, again, usually that means kind of summing it up here, that you have a clue of where you're going when you're asking that question. And again, the question can be a really, really good question. As a matter of fact, I think we should be asking that question not just on road trips, I think you should be asking that question about your life. Your journey that you're on, your life that you're on, you should be asking, am I there yet? As a matter of fact, are you there yet? Are you where you want to be or should be? Do you even know where you need to be or should be? Do you have a clue of where you're actually going? Where is the road that you're currently on leading you to? Now, those are great questions, and we're going to cover all of them within the next few weeks. But really, the question that I want to talk about, again, tonight is, are we there yet? Again, I think we should be asking that question. You should be asking your friends that question, really, because you need to know where they're going. And I think you should be asking your church the question, are we there yet, or where are we actually going? You know what? I've never had any one of you guys come to me and ask me, are we there yet? But you should be asking that question, and in that you are implying something that we are going somewhere as a youth ministry. Because you know we don't just come here to sing some songs, hear a message, and then go back home, right? There's a reason why we're here and we're going somewhere. But the question is, where are we going? And you can only really ask, are we there yet, if you know where we're going. Make sense? So what I want to do tonight is I want to show you where we're going so that next week you guys can all ask me, are we there yet? And then the answer will probably be no, because it's going to take us a moment to get there. Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into our message tonight, called and entitled, Are We There Yet? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your presence. I pray that you would come in this place right now, and that you would answer the question for us, are we there yet? And kind of give us vision and guidance. Holy Spirit, I declare my dependence upon you, and I ask that you would remove me from behind this pulpit. My my words be yours tonight, and I pray that in Jesus' my name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. So again, we don't come to church just to have fun. There's a reason why we come to church. And what we want to do here is we want to create a certain kind of atmosphere in 5979. Where are we going? Well, let me show you where. What we want here and what we do, everything we do is really geared towards one focus, and that is for you to meet Jesus at the cross. And then after you have met Jesus at the cross, it's for you to bring someone else that they can meet Jesus at the cross, at the foot of the cross. That's all this is all about. It's for us to know him and to make him known. Does that make sense? That's where we're going. Every week it should be like, okay, we're meeting Jesus and we're bringing someone else to Jesus. We wanna create a certain kind of culture. What kind of culture do we really want to create? I only give you three things tonight, and it's kind of a little bit of a teaching tonight, so it's not going to be lots of fun and videos and all that kind of stuff. It's literally going to be a straight-up teaching because I want to show you guys where we want to go within the next couple of years. And I want you to really know, okay, when I come to 5979, this is the kind of culture that we have as 5979. So what does it mean? To create means to bring something into existence, to produce, to generate to build or to construct so we're trying to build and construct something the culture culture means the attitude and behavior characteristics of a particular social group so when we're saying we want to create a culture it means that we're trying to create something that we all can call this is our culture this is who we are so three things that I want to create with you guys and I hope that you guys will be on board with this and will do it with me number one we want to create a culture or a community of friendship and family I want 5979 to be a culture that is a culture of friendship and family. And this is really important because for some people that are going to walk through these doors, they don't really know what it means to have friends. They don't really know what it means to have true friendship. And I want them as they walk in here to see what friendship really, really looks like. For some of our young people that will walk through here, they will walk through these doors and they don't have a real family. Their family is broken, it's shattered, it's completely in pieces, and they need to see what family really looks like. So I want us as 5979 to create a culture of family and friendship. In First John 4, 7, it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Now, this verse is a deep verse. If you want to study on this, this is really deep. I'm not going to go into it, but read this on your own again and really figure out what this means. It's very, very deep. Dear friends, let us love one another. Everybody say, love one another. Love one another. In John 13, 34, it says this, a new command I give to you. Look at it. There it is again. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We should be known by our love. Our culture here at 5979, really the culture in any church should be a culture of friendship, and a culture of family. And when you have this kind of culture, you know that when you walk in a group like this, that you are safe. See, friends will watch out for you, right? Friends will keep you safe. Friends will make sure that someone, if someone talks behind your back, that you are actually covering them. Does that make sense to you guys? We want to have that kind of culture here at 5979. I think it's super important. Now, how do we know whether we've actually accomplished this? And I think we're doing pretty good in this area. I think we have done a good job in creating a culture of family. But I think we can do even better. But how can we kind of gauge that? Let me give you three things on how we can gauge whether we're doing a good job here. And maybe you can check yourself and evaluate yourself on these three things on how we can check whether we're doing a good job with a culture of friendship and family. The way that we can see that is how we treat each other. You can see whether you have a good culture that is full of friendship and family on how you treat one another. If you're constantly yelling at one another, and always fighting, always gossiping and slandering about one another, guess what? We don't really have a good culture of friendship and family, right? Because that's not what family does. Now, I know there's always those fights. You know, you guys have fights with your siblings, right? Yeah, I had lots of fights with my sister and my brother. So I I know that happens, but that's not the norm. If it's the norm, we need to talk. You need to have some help because that should not be the norm. How do we treat one another? That's really important. We can see whether we're really good. Again, guys, what this means is that if there's people gossiping and slandering in this youth ministry at any point or time about one another, that means we are failing in creating a culture of family and friends. Does that make sense? So that's one way of how we can check it. The second way on how we can check it is how we let new people treat our family. How we let new people treat our family. In other words, when people come in, and we love having guests, and I love having them come in, it's exciting, but when they come in, and if they start doing things that you know are not okay to do towards any of your family members, what are you going to do about it? Does that make sense to you guys? So let's just say we have a young gentleman, and I'm not speaking against anybody in this room. I'm just going to make up a scenario, okay? Let's say we have a young gentleman, and he's kind of not really a great guy. He's more of a predator, someone that really is out to get a girl. And if he comes in here and starts talking to you about, man, do you see her? And he describes her, and it's kind of a little bit perverse and sexual. What are you going to do? If you are really family, you will tell him, dude, that is not okay. That's not how we talk around here, and you will not talk about my sister that way. Now, if you let him do that, you just allowed him to do whatever he wants in 5979. Does that make sense? Same with the girl. If they come in and do certain things, what we let them do is what they're going to continue to do. As a matter of fact, you are a great example. See, if you come in and you are joking around during worship, and there's a first-time guest in here, they're going to take a clue from you and say, hey, that's okay behavior here so I'm going to do the same thing we had a um, we, we always play basketball in college and career ministry and we had a, a night on a Thursday night where um, it got a little out of hand. Have you guys ever played a basketball game where it little got out of hand? all you guys? So we were playing basketball and we had these new guys coming in and some of our literally members of our college and career ministry they, they just kind of got an almost a fight kind of a thing and, uh, and because of them, the way that they reacted, the new people that came in kind of just adapted to what we were doing and it got even worse. But it was our fault because we showed them what was allowed. We need to make sure we show people, here's how we do things and here's what we do. Speaking of, the third thing on how we can kind of check on whether we have a culture of friendship with families is how we treat new people. And what I mean by that is, there should never be a person in here that walks through those doors it's their first time that they don't feel like they belong. That they don't feel like, hey, I got people that love me and that care for me, even though they don't even know me. See, if we have a first-time guest in here, you should walk up to them and say, hey, my name is so-and-so, and we're so excited to have you. If you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that, because that's what's going to create a family atmosphere in this place. Does that make sense to you guys? Every family, you guys are part of a family, you have a, a conduct that you have in your family. And I'm asking us to do the, half the same thing, that we treat one another with respect, that we make sure that we are good examples to the ones that are coming in, and that we really love the ones that come in. I want to give you this phrase here. People often need to feel they belong before they start to believe. And I want you to think about this for a moment, what this means. I want to read this again. People often need to feel they belong before they start to believe. When you bring a friend and they're not saved, what we need to accomplish is for them to feel safe in here and that's when they're actually going to start listening to what you have to say. Does that make sense? People want to belong to something. You all crave to belong and be part of something and that's in all of our like DNA's is the way it is. So we need to make sure that we really make them feel loved and belonging. How many of you guys go out of your way to meet new people? If not, I want to challenge you. Go and do that. 1 Peter 1.22 Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for one another, for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Again, there should never be anybody in there that feels like an outcast. And I want to encourage you guys to reach out to the people next to you. Is that okay with you guys? I know this is a little different, not what you probably came expecting, but I felt like I need to kind of come in as a father of the house and kind of set some things in order and kind of bring this uh, to our attention of where we want to go. Now, how many of you guys could get behind that kind of a community where you say, you know what, we want to always, as we come in here, we want to have family and friendship. How many of you guys would be okay with that? I should be all of us, right? You should be okay with saying, hey, that's the kind of culture we want to have in 5979. Second thing that we want to have here, the kind of culture that we want to create is a culture of continual growth. In Ephesians 4.15, it says this, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. I want us to have a culture of continual growth, meaning you walk in here and you grow. If you walk in here and you don't grow, we've done something wrong. Or you may have done something wrong. You should always be growing and maturing in your walk with Christ. Now, how do we do that? Two things. Let me give this to you really briefly. We need to grow growth by applying the Word of God in our lives. And we should be doing that by reading, by small groups. And I kind of put this on there, too, on your handout, I think. Um, Specialty groups, uh, short courses, sermons. All these different things are designed to make you grow in your walk with God. And I want you to hear something. I want us to start applying God's words to our life. I don't want you guys to just read it because sometimes I feel like we just read the word and then we don't really do anything with it. I would rather you read five verses and then apply it, than you read five chapters and don't do anything with it. Does that make sense to you guys? Like I really want you guys and us as a ministry to start applying it to our lives, and it will change our lives, and therefore then we will grow. I'm really excited about the next sermon series we're going to be doing. When it's called Basics, and we've been talking to a lot of you guys on different things, and there's been a lot of stuff on okay the questions that keep coming up that you guys want to hear about are really the basics of Christianity. So we're going to be doing that for the next few weeks, and we're going to start that next week. So growth by applying the Word of God in our lives. And the second thing under culture of continual growth is growth by serving in some capacity in church. If you have not served in any capacity in church, you can start serving today. Literally, sign up somewhere. You will not grow in your walk with God unless you serve. There's going to be a lit on your walk with God. Hear me young people, if you don't serve literally, they there will be a lid. But when you start serving, something happens. What does Jesus say? The greatest among you is what? The servant, right? Those of you guys that serve will be great, and we all want to be great, and again, there's something that happens when we actually serve. Now, we have so many different areas that you can serve in, and I put this on your handout again. This is kind of more a little bit administrative stuff here, but if you want to be involved in the video team, you can be involved in our video team. As a matter of fact, we're going to be doing live streaming and all kinds of stuff, video editing. We actually have a video editing room upstairs now that we just literally created the last few weeks. If you want to be part of that team, if you want to get some, um, you know, experience in that, you can do that. If you want to be part of the production team, the youth council. By the way, can I have all my youth council members stand really quick? I want to talk about you guys really quick. So all of you guys that are in the youth council, the ones that are here, there's only half of you guys. Anybody else standing? Okay, there we go. Youth council interns, yes. Okay, so these are the guys. Uh, Isaac, are you not standing? Oh, he's not okay. They just skipped out of the youth council. Okay, so they are part of our youth council. So this is the group of young people that we have that that are kind of working in the background. And uh, and I just wanted them to kind of honor them really quick. You guys are amazing. We love you guys. So you guys can sit back down. But give it up for them. They're amazing. And um, what it is is. We come to them, and they work with us, and they give us uh, feedback and input on all these different things, so it's really cool. But you can get involved in that. You can get involved in the worship team, the sound team, the welcome team, the cafe team, the intern team, or the event team. And you have all the names of the people behind that you can get and that you can talk to to get involved. So I want you to start serving. Can you guys do me a favor and start serving? It it will literally help you in your walk with God. I think it will be really cool. How many of you guys can get behind that kind of a culture that we always serve and that we always grow? How many of you guys could do that? Would you do that for me? I think that would be great. Third thing, and that's the last thing, is this. We want to create a culture of honor. A culture of honor. In Romans 12, 10, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Do you know what it means to really honor someone? Do you know what it means to honor them above yourself? Honor. Can can I be tough for a moment? For example, when you really honor someone in worship like you will not be talking so that they get distracted. I see this all the time where in a service where people are talking and God is trying to speak to someone because you are talking and distracting them, they're not gonna hear what God is trying to tell them. Or they won't get into the presence of God the way that it was supposed to be because you were talking and distracting them. And guess who's gonna be responsible for that? God's gonna hold you responsible for it. Honor one another. Honor is a big deal. It's a culture of honor that we wanna do. Honor, I put this in your handout, honor brings forth blessing. Now, this would be a really good place to say amen. It's so quiet in here. You guys are so quiet. Honor brings forth blessings. You know, when you honor your parents, God will bless you for that. When you honor people in authority, God will bless you for that. Even when you honor people that you disagree with. I will honor people no matter what. I will disagree with them and may not even like them, but that doesn't mean I don't get to honor them. I will honor and respect them. Does that make sense? Even when someone is a jerk to me, but they're in a, in a position of authority over me, I will still honor them. You know why? Because that's what Jesus would do, and that's what Jesus teaches us to do. So when you have a teacher, and they are not reacting the way that they should be, but they're asking you to do something, you have two choices. You can act up and do whatever, and be like, "No, I don't. I'm not going to listen to you." You'd be like, "You know what? Even though..." you're not treating me properly, I'm still going to honor you and respect you because that's what Jesus would want me to do. Does that make sense to you guys? It's not what you want to hear, right? But it's true. And when you honor someone, it brings forth blessing. I love this in Matthew ten, forty one. It's something else that happens when you honor people. Anyone who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And anyone who receives a righteous man because he's righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. What this says here is that again, when you honor someone, receive them properly, you will get a blessing for it. If you honor it, you will receive a reward. Did you guys know that everybody in here has a spiritual gift? You have something to offer to the body of Christ. See, this is why I want you guys to serve because we just we have this idea of church that we come to church and we just sit there and listen to this guy up front preaching, right? That's what we do. Then we lift our hands in worship. We sing a little bit by Mr. Leo's who's leading us in worship and then we go home. That's not church. That's just a service. The church comes together and you bring in what you have. Everyone in here, you have a gift and you need to bring that into the body of Christ because if you don't bring it in, we're missing something. And we're going to talk about the gifts and the things that you have in your life, and we're going to see how we can activate them even over the next few weeks. But you know what happens when someone honors the gift that you have? There's blessings that come forth out of that, and we want to start doing that. So we're going to start doing this here as we create a culture of honor. I love this, and you hand out this quote, The greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches. And we're really good about that, aren't we? We always like to talk about who we are and what great we are, but it's to reveal to him his own. I love that quote. So how do we create a culture of honor? Here's five things, and then we're pretty much done, that I want us to do when it comes to uh, creating culture of honor. I want to create that kind of a culture, a culture that honors the presence of God, that when we come in here, we honor him. And I know I want us to have fun. I want us to have a great time, but we need to honor the presence of God in this place. And when we do, God's going to come. Do you guys know why God shows up at camp? Because you guys take time to honor him. And when you honor him, when you worship him, when everything else gets pushed aside, that's when God comes in. So I want that kind of atmosphere here at 5979, where you come in, you're ready to worship, you're ready to just do what God wants us to do, which is to be in his presence. Number two, a culture that honors the word. When someone comes up here, and it doesn't really matter who, that you like, kind of tune and say, okay, hey God, what are you trying to say to me? What's, what's in it for me today and to honor the word? And guess what? If you honor the word, what's going to happen? You're going to receive a reward. Something's going to come back. The word will never return void. Second or thirdly, a culture that honors what Jesus did on the cross. I, years ago, preached a message called, Who is Holding the Whip? And maybe one of these days I'll preach that again. Um, but it's basically talking about that we need to honor what Jesus did on the cross. And sometimes I feel like the way that we live our lives, we spit in his face and say, We really don't care and I want us to honor what he did on the cross, the price that he paid. Number four under that, a culture that honors leaders. Can I have my leaders stand for a second? All of you amazing tribe leaders and the ones that are involved, I want you guys to stand for a second. Yeah, we can clap for them, that's awesome. Here's the deal. I want us to honor these guys. And you know why? Because they're here, not because they're paid, they're here because they love you guys. And I know that makes no sense to you guys. I know that's probably gonna totally go over your head, but I felt like saying it anyway. I want us to honor them and say, hey, you know, thanks for coming in. Thanks for spending your time. Because they all have families, they all have kids. And, and they could be with their kids doing that, and they choose to be here to hang out with you guys and to pour into you guys. So I just want us to honor them and they're amazing. So thank you leaders, you're, you're wonderful. And then lastly, I wanna have a culture of honor where we honor one another. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I want to honor you. Now turn to the person next to you and say the same thing. I want to honor you as well. I think that's really important. For some of you guys, that was hard. You're like, I don't want to honor you. But we really should be honoring the person next to us. And when we do, something gets released. I want to create that kind of culture. A culture that honors God and honors one another a culture where we literally um, have continual growth and a culture where we have a culture of friendship and community. I want God to move in this place, and I think he can when we do those kind of things. Does that make sense to you guys? Can you guys stand with me tonight? And Mr. Frankie, if you can get ready, that would be awesome. Here's the deal, guys. I know this was a teaching, not kind of you know, the exciting, well, this was the best message ever. It's more of a, here's where we're going. Now, the question that we now have to ask is, we started with this, are we there yet? Do we have this kind of culture? And the answer would be, no, we don't yet. There's still a long way to go, but now you know where I want to go within the next couple of years is that we have a culture where we continually have growth in all of us a culture where we have friendship and family, and a culture where we honor one another and honor God. That's what I want in this place. So if you want that, and if you kind of say, hey, that's a a cool idea, that's a cool destination, then jump on with us and have a great time with us. And it's going to be awesome. God's going to move. I want the miraculous to be released, and it's only going to be released if we honor Jesus and honor one another in this place. I want you guys to honor one another, and because of the presence of God being released in here, you go out into your schools, into the city, and I want us to make a difference. I'm tired of us just having church services I want to have stories from you guys going to your schools and praying for the sick like we talked about last week when evangelist Paul was here and talking about Jesus and people getting saved and all these different things I want that and I want us to kind of start really thinking in that direction now if you don't want that you're probably not gonna like five nine seven nine and at one point you will probably want to leave and if that is you, that's, we'll release you. That's okay. But that's where we're going to go. I want us to be a family. So Heavenly Father, I pray right now that as we kind of decide this even in our own hearts, I pray that we will create an environment, a culture, where you are honored, where we honor one another, where we continually grow, and where we're truly family, and where there's true friendships.